You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 75 with Heather Spore. This might sound insensitive unless you have been to an amusement park. I always say that I love seeing crying kids and angry parents because it makes me feel less alone. (laughs) Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. What is your favorite vacation spot that you have gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Uh, It's a tough one because I've been to a lot of really amazing places. I'm very lucky. But um, for a family, my husband and I love going to this little beach in Maui that's called Baby Beach. And it's because the the breakwater is out far, so the waves are are super small. Like mm. practic- it's practically a lake. So they call it Baby Beach because it's safe wow. for little kids. And it's just so warm, and it's just exactly what you picture when you think of paradise. And and my kids love. You know, we haven't we went there a few years ago, and my kids still talk about going back there. And, and honestly, we we would go back there in a, in, a, in a minute if we yeah. could. It was just one of those truly relaxing vacations, probably the most relaxing vacation I've ever had with kids. I understand. As relaxing yeah. as that can be. Yeah. Where is it at in Hawaii? <laughs> it's um it's on the island of Maui and it's just north of the city of Lahaina. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's and it's very so that's the nice part about it too is that it's close to the city, but this in you know city being this tiny little thing yeah, in, in sure. Maui, but it's close to the the activities, but you still feel like you're in this whole separate world when you're on that beach. So is it pretty accessible to get to? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, uh, it seems to be where a lot of the locals go. So oh, that's kind of okay. how you know it's, it's a good spot. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a open beach. You just have to know it's there. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't been to Ma- Maui in forever in just the flights from Nashville to there are just insane. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I'm like, I'm not sure if we're going to be going back anytime soon, but that's pretty cool. Uh, I have to keep that in mind going forward. Or if anyone's going to Maui, go check it out. Um, Yeah, it's the ideal beach. That's awesome. Yeah. And and because, you know, Hawaii's beaches can get a little nuts, you know, and there's a lot of sharks in certain areas like tiger sharks um, Uh in certain pockets of places. And, um, yeah, I've heard that tiger sharks are, they don't discriminate. They just kind of like, yeah, I don't think they would. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, just this eat is whatever. One of those places where it's the water show so shallow. I don't yes, think they would even no. go in there. Because, so that sounds perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's get started. How about you tell us what your name is and where you're from, how many kids you have, and then we'll jump into how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, my name is Heather Spore. I live in a little suburb outside of Los Angeles, California. I've lived here almost my entire life with a a brief layover in New York City for a little more than a year. And um, I have two children. Annabelle is eight and in second grade. And my son James is four and a half and he will be entering uh, kindergarten next year, which is crazy for me to think about. Yeah. We were just talking about that, how the time just goes by really fast. Yeah. So fast. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Uh, well, I started blogging back in, oh gosh, 2002 before it was even called blogging. It was, I think it was called like online journaling or something like that. (laughs) And I, um, I'd recently graduated from college and I was working for, excuse me, 
my kids kept me up so late last night. Um, I was working for a, uh, a really wonderful man at a record label, but he traveled a lot. So I did have very little to do when he was gone. And so I started blogging as a way to kind of, you know, I'd taken this extra, I get, what is it? An elective. That's what it's called. I'd taken this elective class on how to program a website back when people used to do the whole thing by hand and not, you know, no templates or anything like that. So I, I started just kind of writing about my day and the stupid things I would do, you know, as a young 20 something with my friends and it just kind of kept going from there. And, uh, at one point my job took me to New York city, like I mentioned, and I blogged through that and I blogged through, um, having a, a long distance relationship and then how, and then marrying that guy and having kids with that guy. So I've been writing about my life for a really long time and it's brought some really amazing opportunities. You know, we've gotten to go on, I've got, got to go on and, and do some cool things. Um, but it's really helped me, you know, connect with people who have gone through, you know, all sorts of things. Cause as, as I'm sure, you know, parenting can be lonely sometimes when you're staying home with your kids or, or in my case, I was freelancing and working from home, but I would go hours and hours without speaking to an adult. So it was nice to, you know, be able to go on the internet and connect with people who were kind of in the same boat. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, there's so many moms that work from home and, you know, kind of run into that same situation and then they can't really you know, relate to people that stay home fully and don't work at all. And then they don't relate to the moms that work, you know, full time outside of the house. So, you know, yeah. it, it's nice that you can find people online and have that whole virtual friendship connection um, yeah, when you can't find I've other done, people. Yeah, exactly. And I've done both. I've, I've worked outside the home with kids and I've worked from home and I've been jobless, <laughs> not yeah. on purpose, but I've been jobless right. without kids at home, you know? Yeah. Um, because I want to, I would love, uh, I would like, uh, I think, you know, no matter what you do as a parent, it's so hard. You know, if you're a stay at home mom, running the house is so hard and, and working from home so hard and staying and going mm-hmm. and being a working parent outside the home. It's all hard. Yeah. So, different you know, challenges. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, you were one of the first mommy bloggers out there to monetize your blog. And so, you know, that in itself is so impressive because making money in the online world is not easy. And I do think, I don't know if people realize that now, but I think at a time, I think people were like, yeah, so I'm going to just start blogging and I'm just going to make money and this is going to, you know, be super easy and I'm going to have all this time. And, um, but I don't, I don't think people really understand. And even with podcasting and all that kind of stuff, um, if you want to make money, I mean, there's a hustle behind it. And so oh, yeah. um, when you started doing the blog, how long did it take for you to actually start making money? And I mean, like real money, not just kind of like, you know, $40 here. Like, when did you really start? Wow. Like, I can yeah. live off this. Like, how long was that time frame? Uh, it was a while. I, you know, like I mentioned, I, I started a, a blogging at the end of 2002. Making money on a blog was not even a thing. Yes, it wasn't right. something that you hoped to aspire to. It wasn't something you even imagined was possible. So, you know, I got into it. I always joke that I got into it for pure reasons, which is, you know, stupid because I was just writing about my life. It could right. not be, it could not <laughs> be less uh, narcissistic. Right. But, um, you know, I, I think that, oh gosh, when it was right around when the blog, her ad network started that I suddenly was like, people make money doing this? Mm. Interesting. And so I just thought, well, hey, I'll apply. And if I can make some extra money, sweet. And I was actually working in an office at the time. So it wasn't a question of me needing 
money. I had money and, but I thought, Hey, this is, why not? And, uh, but I would still say that it took me until about probably eight years till I started making money where I thought like, Hey, I, I don't have to Mm. go to an office anymore. It took, it took a long time. Nothing like now where there's so many ad networks in place for people and they can get started right away and they have all these options ahead of them. Back then, there weren't a lot of options. You had to either really get into blog her or I think Federated Media was around then. Um, so it was a very different time. Much harder to get yes. advertising. Yeah, you had to yeah. call, you had to get a certain, have a certain amount of page views and you had to mm-hmm. post a certain amount of times a week and there were so many restrictions and now it's just you know sign up for Google Ads which is great it gives so much more power to everybody yeah that is that is a good point because you know all that stuff didn't exist and now there's systems but I still feel like I don't and I don't know how Google Ads work but I feel like you still have to have a certain amount of page views probably to get a certain amount. Is that correct or no? I, I think, mm. you know, I don't, I, I, there was a time where I was super caught up in all of that. And I mm. really paid attention to yeah. how many page views I got and right. what yeah. did I need? And, and now I, I don't look at that as at all, unless I absolutely have to, for some technical reason. Cause I just, I, I think that for a while there, for me, at least I kind of, for, you know, it was hard to, figure out how to monetize. And you, there were so many people I was trying to make happy. I should right. say, yep. I was trying to make my, the people I was, who were reading happy and the people who were putting money on my blog happy and, and it stopped being fun. So I realized that if I was going to keep doing this and if I really wanted to get back to why I'd started in, in the first place, which was, you know, writing about myself and getting out my little narcissistic tendencies, but also meeting people, then I needed to kind of focus on that stuff and less on on the stats, but that was a very long-winded answer. Yeah, for, no, that's that totally didn't okay. really answer your question, which, but I, I'm sure that there are still some kind yeah. of requirements, but I, maybe not with Google because they, their bots go all over the place. And that oh, doesn't interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, well, and I'm going to ask you just a, a couple more questions about the blog and then we're going to jump into your book and talking about toddlers. But the reason why is because I know so many moms right now are trying to make it on the online world that, and they um, they listen to the show and they're either trying to build membership sites or they're doing vlogging and uh, some are doing podcasts and some are doing you know traditional blogging and some are like ins- and influencers on Instagram. And so what I was going to ask yeah. you is, you know, <clears throat> the moms that are trying to do all this stuff, um, what advice would you give them if they were really wanting to make this their career and make money, but kind of like what you said, you don't want to get all wrapped up, but into all that stuff, but yet you kind of need to do it a little bit if you want to make the money. But like, how do you keep it where you're like, okay, I'm still doing this with the purpose that I started with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's so many different ways out there now for, for women to make money in this sort of online atmosphere, online world, you know, so it's not just about, it used to be that you could only do it with blogging and, and with display ads and, and sponsored posts. If you were lucky enough to get a sponsored post. Now there's so many amazing ways for women. They could find what makes them happy. If you love taking pictures, you can become an influencer on Instagram. And if you love making little videos, there's YouTube and there's, and there's Snapchat. It's, it's really amazing now how many, how different and how, how much power, women can have 
and they can find it in, in places that they already like. So, you know, I would say for women who want to try to make some money doing this sort of thing, figure out what you like, what your passion is. I liked writing. So I was lucky that blogging was a thing when I kind of started doing this, but I know so many people who are such amazing photographers and make, and make money on Instagram, something that they already love. They already love taking photos. So I would say, don't force it. Don't, don't do, don't try to, you know, specialize in a certain platform because you think that's where all the money is because take it from me, it, the, the platforms that make money change constantly. So it might be blogging. It was blogging yesterday. Today is Instagram. Right. Tomorrow is going to be YouTube. So, you know, don't, don't get married to one platform, but just make sure that what you're doing, you enjoy, because if you're not enjoying it, it's just not, it's not going to be worth it. And your content is going to show that you don't exactly. And then you won't get anything. And if that's right. what you're, if that's your aim, then that's <laughs> yeah. what you've got to do. And I, and I'm all for it. I love, I, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong at all with, with, with moms and women going out there and being like, no, I want to, I want to make money on Instagram. I'm like, awesome. Do it. You know, take these tools that we have and do something with it. Yeah. And you know, I was going to say, um, you were able to grow your audience pretty big, uh, you know, over 65 million plus to date. So I feel like a lot of people are struggling to kind of build that community. And this kind of ties into the question, you know, that I just asked, but how did you find that you created that community and kept building that audience while trying to keep it still in line with you? And again, like what you were saying, you're not trying to you know, do something because you feel like this is what people really want, but also you do want to feed your community and see what they do want along with what you actually enjoy doing. So do you have any thoughts on, you know, growing your community, um, organically versus being like, okay, so I feel like if A, B and C works really well making money, then I can do this. But I just feel like what you said, if you don't enjoy it, it's eventually Mm -hmm. you're going to get burnt out. Yeah, you're going to get burnt. And, and I should say that you're going to get burnt out even if you do enjoy it. I mean, there I've been doing this for, my gosh, almost 16 years. And I definitely get burned out. And I, li- and I like it. I like writing about my life. I like sharing. And so it's just like any other job in that way that you do. You need to take breaks. You need to be kind to yourself. There were times when I would was literally posting something new every day. And that was just like insanity. Um, but anyway, I would, you know... It, it was a, a very, very different time back when I started blogging. Um, it was, it was sort of the heyday of blogging, and and a lot of people were not only just reading reading blogs, but we were commenting on each other's blogs, and we were reciprocating. We were we were getting to know each other and getting to know each other's families, and I think that had a lot to do with it. There was a time when I I, I was writing about um, I, I had a lot of high risk pregnancies and 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 um and my daughter was in the NICU and mm. I was writing about stuff like that and, and finding community and in that sort of way, um, not in a, in an attempt to build an audience at all, but just an attempt to, to find connections. And, and it just sort of, it grew organically in that way of that. I was, I was finding people who were going through the same situations and I was commenting on their blogs and then they would come back and, and, it, you know, it just kind of grew in that way much different than how it is now where, you know, a lot of people, I was a person, I was and still am a personal blogger. Uh, a lot of people go into blogging now, uh, with certain topics, like they're a Disney blogger or they're a food blogger. I was just, you know, uh, this is my life blogger. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. which isn't, which isn't, uh, it's not a dead medium, but it's certainly not the, uh, medium it used to be. Uh, and I think part, it was sort of like, 
um, I used to say that I was the editor of my own reality show because people would, people always talked about, you know, it was, it was right when reality shows were really becoming a big thing. I mean, we still had the real world, but you know, um, uh, that was like, oh, an American idol and survivor and just all those reality shows were really taking off. And, and I think that there was this sort of hunger for reading about people who are like you and, and, and kind of getting that voyeuristic look into other people's lives that weren't so glossy on TV. Mm -hmm. And I don't, think that that's, you know, and, and, uh, Facebook was not a thing then. And, you know, there was just, it was so different than now that blogging really was the only way you could kind of get that window into other people's lives. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. MySpace was barely a thing. Right. Uh, there was no Twitter, you know, there's just all these different things that, that weren't around then. So, you know, for me, a lot of it was right place at the right time. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, not to like talk all highly of myself or anything, but I think that I was also, I liked what I was doing. So therefore I was putting out quality content. You could tell that I liked it and you could tell that I was putting effort into it. And you know, that's, what's going to rise. They always say the cream will rise. And I think that, mm, that mm-hmm. I liked what I was doing. Therefore what I was doing was much more entertaining and relatable. Yeah, no, I agree. And that kind of goes back to sticking with why you're starting something and the purpose behind it and stuff. Exactly. Hey, you guys, today's sponsor is by an amazing mom named Jill Wiley, and she loves to share her passion for doTERRA essential oils. doTERRA essential oils are pure, safe, natural, and effective. If you've been sitting on the fence to trying essential oils, this is your perfect opportunity. Jill is offering mom-inspired show listeners a special. If you buy the doTERRA family essential kit, also known as the Feel Better Kit, this kit includes 10 of the most popular oils. She is going to give you a free roller kit set, either the baby and mama or the happy and healthy kids set. So if you've been wondering what all the hype is about with essential oils and not knowing which company to trust, this is the perfect time to try it out. You will get amazing products that are safe for you and your family, and you will also get one-on-one support from Jill with any questions you may have. If you want to check out the roller kits, make sure to go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash oil kits, and you will find Jill's contact information there. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. And so as we go from like your amazing blog and and followers, you talked about like that you love to write. So uh, you wrote a book called The Toddler Survival Guide. And so not only is it helpful, but it is really funny. I was looking over it and I wanted to ask, what made you decide to write this book? Well, my husband and I, my husband was the co-author on the book and he had always had this dream of writing a book. And I was like, "Mm, yeah. That, that sounds cool. Whatever. <laughs> I've got, you know, these kids here and I'm ready to do this blog and, but you know, that could be fun. But he, he was the, he'd gone to school to be a writer. He'd loved it. He really loves writing. Um, and so he'd always said, you know, we should, we should try to write a book sometime. And I thought, okay, well maybe someday when, you know, this, this terror toddler that we have grows up and is a little more manageable and it kind of snowballed from there. You know, we had this, this toddler who was, every stereotype you could think of of a toddler. And we just kind of, we, we, we made jokes a lot in the past that toddlers were like zombies, you know, they kind of, they stagger around and can't understand them (laughs) and they're drooling and all of that. And, um, because of that, we, we kind of 
my husband came up with the idea of doing a parody of the zombie survival guide, which is a, a, a book by Max L. Brooks, who, who wrote a very legit, very serious how to survive a zombie attack book. <laughs> so oh my we, kind gosh. Of took, we took <laughs> it funny. on a, turned it on its head a little bit and made it um, a, a helpful parenting book, but it's also got a lot of humor in it. And we tried to make it very relatable and reasonable and realistic because no one wants to hear, you know, and when you feed your children vegetables every day, they're perfect. Like, no, that's not how exactly. (laughs) And here's, and here's what you do when you need to give your kids screen time. And, you know, we, we were realistic about it. We're not trying to, we don't think anyone is a perfect parent. We don't want to make anybody feel bad about their what they do to survive a day with a toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I do think that's great about your book. And and I like that you have little blurbs that are kind of funny comments and something that stood to me because I love traveling um, is you're discussing like some advice for traveling with a toddler. Uh, What are some top tips that you have that you have found have worked really well for you guys? Um, Well, you know, something that I don't think we, I can't even remember if we put this in the book or not, but the number one thing I, I my cousin was just traveling with her son who is, um, he's 21 months old. So I guess that's still, he's still very firmly in the toddler phase. And I said, the number one thing on the plane, don't let him know he can get out of his seat. That's a good point. <laughs> if he knows that he can get up and walk around, it's over. <laughs> and, um, sure enough, she came back from the bathroom at one point and her husband had taken him out of his seat and he was walking the aisles oh, and he no. refused to get back to his seat after that. And I was like, Leah, you should have told him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of like that whole getting out of when you switch from the, in a restaurant, when you switch from the high chair to the booster seat, yes. they're mm-hmm. no longer contained, keep them contained as long as possible. That's my advice. Exactly. Um, with, with traveling, a lot of it is, um, you know, people will tell you fly during their nap time. Well, yeah, that's great if you like don't have to worry about the cost of a, of what time right. their like, a flight is during their nap time. But it's all about just um, have very low expectations. Number one, <laughs> yes. Um, and then I always have, and I do this still. I mean, my husband and, and kids and I, we were just traveling last week. I still do this. I call it my bag of tricks. I fill it up with a bunch of, you know dollar store stuff. Yep. And it's just, you know, kids love that cheap stuff that they've never seen before. Even my eight year old was like, Ooh, notepad. I know. Right. (laughs) Right. I know. Just, just being able to pull out stuff from the dollar store. It's like, I spent 10 bucks. I had all this stuff for them. And, and it still works to this day. Even my son, who, like I said, is what is a stereotype of every kind of, you know, crazy kid you can imagine. He likes playing with that stuff. So keeping them entertained like that, and I am absolutely not opposed, and I highly recommend if you have any sort of electronic thing, give it to them. Let them play on the plane. Let them yes. do whatever it yeah. takes to keep them happy and and entertained because no one likes flying. No one likes flying except maybe right. the pilots and the, yeah. and the flight attendants. Um <laughs> So, you know, just imagine, you know, you have a lot more, uh, we adults, we have a lot more of a, of a grip on what's going on. The kids, it's so loud and, and they don't, they have no control, even less control than usual. So I'm all just about like, okay, here's your special treat. You can play with mommy's phone for this next five hours. And, and that the same with, um, and, and flying is the most stressful way to travel with kids because yes. there's so many people around you and, mm-hmm. and people immediately give you the stink eye I know. when you walk on it with kids, no matter how old they are. Um, 
but traveling by car obviously is, is is less stressful in that uh if they scream and cry they're only disturbing you yes yes <laughs> but they are still disturbing you so you still need to have ways to uh you know entertain them you need to plan out you know we would plan out our our stops in advance we make sure we know where all of the bathroom stops are all of those sorts of things and just kind of being prepared for anything helps a lot, but it, it, you have to, like I said, have very low expectations because it is not going to go the way you hope. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always say, especially when people are going to Disney world, since we live on this side of the country, I'm like, yeah. just go in with really low expectations. And then if you have a magical, wonderful time, you'd be like, yes. Cause I feel like so many people go in like, this is going to be so magical and amazing. And I just, am, I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah, I just be- yeah. between the really hot weather, weather, especially in Florida, even when it's April, it can get so humid. And then you're having to hold everybody because you have to park the s- strollers oh. somewhere else. And then you got to go find your stroller and hope that, and you know, Disney, it's still there. And at Disney World, you have to take a shuttle everywhere. It's yes. so enormous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. We, we're very close to Disneyland. Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, might sound insensitive unless you have been to an amusement park. I always say that I love seeing crying kids and angry parents because it makes me feel less alone. <laughs> because I know what you, you mean. Uh-huh. And I always tell people, uh, an amusement park, like you said, you think it's going to be a magical experience. It's not. It is going to be sensory overload. There's so many people. There's so many noises. So many colors, and and there's so many things that they want. And every there's there's just no way that um, anyone under the age, well, really anyone can anyone. get out of there. No, I've seen teenagers crying. crying. I've seen teenagers <laughs> crying to their mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. So <laughs> that's why I always tell everyone, like, go in knowing that your children are going to cry yeah. and you're going to be so pissed because you just spent so much money I on this. I know, right? I know. It's like a magical experience, right? <laughs> there's, so. still a, there's a story that I love that I saw at Disney World one time. We were at Art of Animation and we were in the restaurant of that hotel and the t- family's sitting and the dad is standing like, talking to them going, why is it always my fault? <laughs> and I think that just like summed oh it up. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so true. It's I so just true. This is crazy. Um, so there's another part in the book that I love that you uh, do the pros and cons for different methods of potty training. Cause yes. th- this is hilarious to me because this is such a huge issue, right? Like everybody's oh, like, Oh, do this or that. And then different kids are different. So, um, yeah. what did you find work best for you and your kids? What kind of uh, method? So I, I laugh and, uh, and I tell people that the one thing that I know I nailed, cause I don't think I've really nailed much of anything when it comes to parenting. I think I just survived it, which I think is what most parents do. But the one thing I really nailed was potty training. I don't know how I got lucky. Both my kids were potty trained in three days. I don't know. And honestly, I, I so we, so for me, that three, the three day method that I outline in the book was yep. really what works well for us. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, yeah. I, I, I told my husband, you know, you spend three straight, three oh, yeah. straight days basically staring at your child's crotch and, yes. and it's like awkward and yeah. awful for everyone. You're sitting on the <laughs> stool. You're sitting on the stool in the bathroom with them yep. and they're running around in their underwear only. Yeah. And, and every yes. and every five minutes you have to say, "Let me know when yeah. you have to go potty." Let and then you, you get a treat. Potty. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I but did that. Did work for my kids, and yeah. And so and and they were, all, and I think that I also got lucky in that I didn't know that some people potty train for day and night separately. So I just did it all at once because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Oh, so I yeah. did it all at once. So I felt like, oh, <laughs> look at me, <laughs> I'm I'm good at this. Which yeah, really. I, 
<laughs> and I got lucky with my kids. They were just very ready to be potty trained at that point. Yeah. Some kids definitely are. My daughter did pretty well, the, my first daughter, but then she started to regress a little bit, um, having to go poop. Like, I don't know what happened. Oh, it's yeah. like, what, That's what happened? Fun. And then trying to kind of figure that out with, um, a toddler is challenging. And then my second one, I did do the three day hunker down on spring break and she figured it out and I didn't put her in pull-ups because I do feel like there's a challenge that if you put them in pull-ups, even though I know yeah. it might be more work, I feel like they stay in pull-ups for so long. Like, so yeah. it's kind of, then you got to wean them absolutely. off that. Right. And yeah. so, and, so I, I, and, and <laughs> I absolutely would have, I would have put my kid in pull-ups if I had thought about that because it just, it seems very overwhelming potty training them for yep. daytime and nighttime. And you're thinking about the bed and how it's going to get, they're going to pee yeah. and it's just disgusting and yep. all these things. Um, so I, I, and, and there are some children who really and truly cannot be potty trained overnight. They're just, they just don't have the bladder strength yet. Right. So I, 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 I definitely want to, you know, make it clear that if your kid can't be potty trained overnight, it's totally fine. And that whole cliche about how they don't go to, you know, they don't graduate from high school in right. diapers. Yeah. While it's it's true, it makes you want to slap whoever says that to you in Mm -hmm. the face because it's like, I don't care about high school. I care about just getting through this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Um, exactly. But it it, it requires superhuman patience. (laughs) Being able to body train your kids. Yeah. It is the most, it's like such a true test of your, your metal as a person. I feel like if you can handle potty training a child, then you can do anything. <laughs> well, right. And not only that, so there's part of me that was, it was like, you know what, in some ways, even though I don't want to change diapers, I mean, I still have to wipe her butt. Like if she goes uh-huh. poop, so I'm still doing like similar uh-huh. tasks. It's not like, Oh, congratulations. Uh-huh. I'm offhand now. Um, no. and, and then it makes it harder because if you're going on road trips or somewhere, uh-huh. or you're in the middle of yeah. target and they're like, I got to go where before they had a diaper while well, you were all set. Yeah. Now you're like booking it. Yeah. Like how many minutes do we got until like you can make this? So it, it gets a little bit harder um, and, and more inconvenient um, at yeah. the beginning. And so I, I don't yeah. know if everybody always realizes that, especially on their first. That I we, definitely didn't. Yeah. I it's definitely like you, you need to prepare yourself, you know, that and this I is going to actually get my, harder. <laughs> yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I get to finally go back to my small purses, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, you need clothes no. in case they have accidents. Now I have to bring, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I have to bring, you know, instead of I used to be able to just throw one diaper and a bag of wipes in my purse. Now I have to bring a change of clothes. I have to bring a portable potty in case we yep. can't find one. I have to bring a change of clothes for myself because if she <laughs> can't all over herself, yes. I have to carry her out and then it's going to be, so it was, it was so much more work Yes, for a lot more, um, in the, in the immediate, which I really, again, I, I think it's good. I didn't know because yeah. I don't know if I would. Yeah. It, <laughs> ignorance was bliss for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Heather, we're almost at the end of the show and I know that you, um, you know, you're kind of big on people just posting, perfect pictures all the time, right? Parents just only posting that. And then it kind of has this whole, you know, it gets you in this comparison trap, right? Because you're only comparing to the perfect pictures, which is not obviously real life. So what is your thoughts on all of that? And especially with social media? Yeah, you know, I, I think that parents put so much pressure on themselves to sort of be these perfect, be perfect parent and be a perfect show that you're doing things, you know, the quote unquote right way. You know, I I really try to caution parents not to get caught up in that, not to think about, you know, somebody might post a picture of their house and it's 
all white, you know, white furniture, white walls, yes. white floors, and, <laughs> and, and these, and, you know, wooden toys. And for some reason, there's a broom hanging on the wall. And it's like, that's not real life. No. I don't know. You know, maybe this is what people do and that's how they get money. And that's great. But let's be realistic and, and keep in mind that just like we only send pictures of our, of our kids smiling to the grandparents, those are the only pictures we're going to post on the internet as well. We, we don't want to, I, I try to tell people, you know, I post, you know, the pictures that look quote unquote perfect, mostly because if I posted the picture of my son crying because our hotel room is on the sixth floor instead of the seventh floor, or because my daughter's upset because I forgot to bring a certain pair of earrings for her or something like that, they're going to be pissed at me when they grow up and they see that I posted this story as funny as it could be. Yeah. So I think you have to kind of try to strike this balance between what what is real and what will make what won't upset your children in the end. Yeah. Because, I like that. Mm -hmm. And even though I think that online life is going to be a very, very different experience for our children than it is for us. I, I don't think that they're, you know, they're, they're going to be the, sh the share generation, the show me, you know, let me show you generation. Right. And it's not going to be weird to them that, that some of them grow up with, you know, pictures of them being online since the day they were born. Like my kids, really have, have been. And, and there are a lot of people who, who truly care about them, who've never met them. And I, and I think that's really cool. And I think that that's not going to be a weird thing to them the way it sounds to me just now saying that there are people <laughs> out there in the world who've never met my daughter, but care about her, you know, it's just how they're growing up these days. And it's, it, I think that, you know, us in this, in this millennial and generation X generation, um, we just have to try to, balance what's making us happy with what will make them happy down the line. So I, as funny as some things may be, cause believe me, I have the pictures of my son crying cause we're staying on the sixth floor instead of the seventh floor. And it's really funny, but he will be mad at me if I post that someday, you know? Yeah. So, so does he have something with the sixth floor or something? Is I have no some... idea. What oh, he okay. got that. It was just out of nowhere. That's <laughs> so <laughs> interesting. Kids are, kids are just weird, you yes. know? And yep. <laughs> And, you know, so just, you have to try to remind yourself that just like there's probably chaos going on outside of your, the frame of your photo, there's chaos going on outside the frame of everyone's photo. Sure. And yeah. if they may have, um, a house that looks pristine and your house is a disaster, there's going to be something that you do better than maybe this other person because oh, for sure. So that's what I always try to remind people that, you know, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and maybe their photos may look better than yours, but that doesn't mean anything in the long run. Exactly. Well, Heather, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media and your website? And also where can people find your book? So my book is called The Toddler Survival Guide, Complete Protection from the Whiny Unfed. You can find it at bookstores like Barnes and Noble. And then you can go to everyone's favorite place um, in the you know world, Amazon, mm -hmm. where you can find it. Um, and it's on Prime and, you know, it's always cheap. Yes, buddy. My son <laughs> is asking me questions. <laughs> um, and then my, uh, I'm on social media across all platforms. My, my name is Mama Spore, which is M-A-M-A-S-P-O-H-R. And my blog is the spores are multiplying and you can spell spore like, you know, the, the organism, or you can spell it like my last name. You could get there both ways. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hey, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. And if you are not part of the Mom Inspired Show Facebook group, make sure to go and join today. If you want, you can go to mominspiredshow.com. At the top, it will say join Facebook group. That way it will take you through all the steps to get you there. And make sure to say hi when you join. And we will see you next week. 